Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Knife. My name is Shanaz Hassan, the new Behind the Knife Surgical Education Fellow, and I'm thrilled to have joined the team this year. I'm here with Dr. Patrick Jordoff for today's episode, and we are excited to discuss the later results of Dakota trial. With us today is Dr. David Flum. He is one of the co-PIs of Dakota trial, as well as a general surgeon and researcher at the University of Washington. He is also a professor and associate chair in the Department of Surgery and director of Surgical Outcomes Research Center at the University of Washington. Welcome back, Dr. Flum. Oh, thank you, Dr. Hussain. Thank you, Dr. Georgeoff. And please call me Dave. Looking forward to chatting with you today. With Dr. Flum, we have here Dr. Lillian Cow, who is a professor in the Department of Surgery in the UT Health System down in Texas. She is also the director of Division of Acute Care Surgery there as well. She was the recent president of the Association for Academic Surgery. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Cow. Thank you for having us, and you can call me Lillian. Wonderful. So we're excited to hear about the long-term results for Dakota trial. Before we dive into these new results, could we get a quick recap on the basis of Dakota trial and the short-term results to refresh our listeners? Sure. Why don't I do that, Lillian? Um, You know, there have now been, I think, nine randomized trials about antibiotics versus appendectomy. Um, And and, and the Dakota trial, which started about five years ago, has been the largest to date, the first large-scale U.S. trial of this issue. You know, for about 120 years, we've all been pretty certain that an appendectomy was the way to go for people with appendicitis. But these studies in the late 90s, early aughts, told us that you could do antibiotics uh, for patients, some selected patients, and get decent results. And I think the CODA trial was asking a couple of questions. The first is, uh, we know we can do antibiotics. Should you be doing antibiotics? Which is the probably bigger question. And I think aligned to that is, who are we offering this to? The, the European trials really did have a lot of selection criteria, excluding people with appendicolith, excluding people with perforation. I think they excluded probably 40% of the population of patients that we typically see. And I didn't think that was going to work. When we were designing the CODA trial, we wanted it to make it look like the American experience with appendicitis. And so we really included almost everybody with appendicitis in this trial, except the folks who you would typically think, yeah, surgery is not indicated, um, like somebody who has such a bad abscess that you'd want to drain that abscess first. Or on the other side, people who are so sick from medical conditions that you wouldn't wouldn't think that antibiotics would be an option, like people who have progressive septic shock or things like that, pregnant patients, immunocompromised patients. But that's it for exclusion criteria. And then we randomized folks to either apodectomy of any type or uh, antibiotics, 10 days. And the first day needed to be intravenous and the days after could be oral. Uh, and to my surprise, uh, some folks were started using a single dose, long acting IV antibiotic in the emergency room. And believe it or not, about half the patients by the end of the trial had received that one shot of antibiotics in the ER and were sent home. So about half the patients here had essentially an outpatient management of their um, appendicitis. That was the randomized trial. 1,552 people got randomized. About 500 were followed in a parallel observational cohort that they picked their treatment. Um, And 
Then we watched them. We, we collected data for a year on everybody. Um, and by the time that we had recruited for the study, that meant that about, um, about 10% of people were out three years, about 5% of people were out four years. And so we now have some short-term data and some long-term data. I'll just remind folks that uh, the short-term results were published at the height of COVID because we thought maybe getting some information about antibiotic treatment could be important about last fall when our hospitals were jam-packed with COVID cases and we were concerned about ventilator availability. And so we published the results of at the 90-day mark last October and presented them at the college meeting. Here's a quick recap. Three out of 10 people in the antibiotic arm ended up having an appendectomy by 90 days. And people with an appendicolith at a higher risk, about 41% versus 25% if you did not have an appendicolith. Essentially, both treatments, antibiotics and surgery, had about the same risk profile of complications overall, uh, unless you had an appendicolith and then there was a slightly higher risk of complication. Um, but the study was powered for an outcome that could be compared between the two arms, the overall quality of life or uh, general health status. It's a measure called the EQ5D. Most surgeons, most clinicians don't use the EQ5D for anything, but it asks in general, how you doing at 30 days overall? How's your health? What's the impact of this disease been like for you? And the big finding of the CODA trial was that that outcome uh, was no different or non-inferior in the patients having antibiotics compared to those having surgery. So take home message from the early results of the CODA trial, non-inferiority of antibiotics compared to surgery, but three in 10 people uh, did get their, uh, their appendix out by uh, 90 days. Another way to think about that is seven out of 10 people avoided appendectomy by 90 days, and it seemed like it was a safe uh, intervention. And that's where we left it uh, in the height of the pandemic uh, and waited for the rest of the results to come on in from the rest of the patients. Perfect. Perfect. So let's, uh, let's move on then to the new data. What are we talking about here at the Marin College of Surgeons this week? You know, the prior trials, the largest European randomized trial was the APAC trial, and that showed about a 38% rate of appendectomy at five years. Um, other studies that included some observational and randomized trials were about 29% at five years. So for um, patients in the CODA trial who are randomized to the antibiotic arm uh, at three or more years, uh, the rate was about 49%. So about half of patients had recurrence as defined by need for appendectomy related to appendicitis. The rates may be a little bit higher than uh, the other trials for a number of reasons. One is, as Dave mentioned, we included patients who had perforation and appendicolis who were not included in prior trials. Additionally, um, you know, it's hard to know, but follow-up at um, or beyond three years can be challenging because not everyone will answer all the surveys or follow-up data is not always available for all of them. A couple of, of things that I think we didn't know before is when will the curves flatten? So when will the appendectomy recurrence rate stop? It looked like by two years, almost all the people who were going to have an appendectomy had an appendectomy. About 95% of the appendixes that we plucked out of people had appendicitis in them. Uh, so it wasn't like people were getting a lot of elective appendectomies or you know interval appendectomies for non-diseased appendixes. Um, 
And I think one take-home message for the audience is if you make it to 30 days, because, I mean, I think that's an open question. If you get through the acute period, what's the chance you're going to have a recurrence? And that number you can hold in your head is about uh, one in three. So, you know, if you're looking at everybody at, uh, starting on time zero, it's for about 49% by three years. But if you do dig it out of the acute period, you have a two out of three chance of never having appendicitis recurrence again. And uh, that's good information that I don't think we really knew. I remember um, with the short-term outcomes, you mentioned how you were surprised that patients who had appendiculates had worse outcomes than those without and were at a higher risk for undergoing appendectomy. With these long-term outcomes, you noted that the risk of the appendectomy was actually attenuated with time for those with appendiculates. Were you surprised by that finding? In fact, we really only found an increased risk of an appendectomy with appendiculates in the first 48 hours. And it's, it's double the risk. The hazard ratio in technical terms is two. Even after adjusting for all of the disease severity and every, you know, white count and fevers, it's still twofold increased risk of getting an appendectomy if you have an appendiculate. But that goes away, that risk, by 30 days. And in fact, it's not a predictor of recurrence. It's not a predictor of late appendectomies at all. Um, I have some ideas about what that is, what's driving that, but maybe Dr. Cow does too. Sure. So I was surprised that the uh, risk was attenuated over time. You know, um, conventional wisdom had always been that uh, perhaps you don't have to do interval appendectomies in patients who don't have appendicolis, but that patients with an appendicolis were at uh, higher risk for recurrence, or at least that is what um, I was always taught. Um, So as far as why the risk is attenuated, perhaps because there's fibrosis uh, over time and so becomes less likely that you would get recurrence. I mean, that would be one theory, but I have no evidence (laughs) to either support or deny that. I think the fundamentals of the pathophysiology here are just a big question mark. I was taught, and I'm sure I've misinformed generations of medical students to think that appendicitis is caused by an obstruction of of the lumen with a stone or inflamed uh, tissue. That may or may not be the case. A lot of people with an appendicolith evidently don't need to get their appendix removed and seem to respond to antibiotics. So I'm not so sure that all appendicoliths are created equal. Some are probably impacted and actually causing distal obstruction and all the traditional pathophysiology. Some are probably innocent bystanders. When we started the study, I was struck by the fact that autopsy results, not related to appendicitis, show about the same rate of appendicolith in the population that we see when people have appendicitis. So I thought it was going to be an innocent bystander situation. And I think a proportion of them are that as well. But for me, the biggest reason why I think that the risk of uh, appendicolith is attenuated overall is that, you know, this outcome, uh, unplanned appendectomy is a horrible outcome. Uh, Think about it. It Part of it's biologic. Sometimes the antibiotics do fail because disease progresses, but sometimes the surgeons fail the antibiotics. Like it's, you know, there's an OR available down the hall and, you know, we can just get this done. And inpatients are not used to seeing somebody recovering with antibiotics can make it so that the surgeon fails the antibiotics. Sometimes the patient can fail the antibiotics. You know, they're doing okay. They're still having some pain on antibiotics, but they call their uncle Morty, who's a a dentist who says, what are you, crazy? Take out your appendix. So surgeons can fail the antibiotics. Patients can fail the antibiotics. And actually, sometimes the antibiotics can fail. And when we're looking at appendicolith and trying to understand why the risk 
is only present in the first 48 hours, I think all those mechanisms may be a play there. It was very eye-opening to me that if you got out of the hospital with antibiotics and you had an appendicular, your rate of your rate of an appendectomy was the same as if you didn't have an appendicular. That may be biology, you know, non-impacted stones are sort of sorting themselves out. Uh, or it may be that nobody's looking at you and prodding on you and saying, hey, you know, you have an appendicular. You're a higher-risk patient. Let's get you to the OR. So complex outcome, but an interesting finding for sure and worthy of a lot more investigation. Yeah. Now, now let's move on also to the feared outcomes of perforation or neoplasm. What, the, what are the long-term data told us about those two? Yeah, the rates of neoplasm were very low. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Of those patients, obviously, who were randomized to the antibiotics arm, we don't know everybody's pathology, but of those who had their appendix removed, it was it was exceedingly low in both arms. Uh, certainly, our patient advisors really wanted us to pay attention to this once. Many of them, two of them, had had neoplasm identified uh, during a quote-unquote unnecessary appendectomy. They feel like it saved their lives. We, we actually built in some safeguards around the neoplasm issue when we built the study. Uh, we found six neoplasms in the appendectomy-assigned group. And uh, so the rate is you know 0.7 or something like that, less than 1%. It's, it's rare, but it's real. Six people out of uh, 776 that were randomized to appendectomy. And we found four in the patients, the 776 patients who were randomized to antibiotics. Whether or not six versus four means that there are two missing out there, we don't know, because of course the confidence intervals around these rates overlap one another. We hope that none of those folks are out there. We hope we caught them all. All of them were found in the first year. We're doing a you know, detailed analysis to make sure that the stage was not more advanced in the patients who had a missed, quote unquote, missed neoplasm. But this is a real issue that we have to pay attention to. And it's so critical for follow-up. Anybody who's using antibiotics in their practice, make sure you see patients in follow-up. Make sure they're informed about the risk of a missed neoplasm and the signs of it, ongoing GI symptoms, a low weight loss, and get them back for follow-up imaging. I think that's an important take-home message. Obviously, everyone knows that a non-perforated appendicitis is a completely different beast than, than perforated appendicitis. It's something we all want to avoid. So what do we find in the long-term results with that? Because we do have the, the luxury of, of multiple years more follow-up. We can put that one to rest. Uh, there's no increased risk of perforation in patients who have an eventual appendectomy. We found almost the same rate of perforation among people having an eventual appendectomy as we did in people having an index uh, appendectomy. And I'll say that's the same for at weird operations like needing to do an ileocecectomy or a uh, colostomies really we didn't see any of that we saw no signal of more complex operations in people having eventual appendectomy compared to people having index appendectomy there were also no significant long-term outcomes in terms of uh, adverse events like hernias or bowel obstructions etc great well we're really excited to hear all this new information to help relay some of our concerns to rest Moving forward, how do you think you're going to incorporate the results of Dakota trial into your practice patterns? Say you meet a patient in the ED who is a good surgical patient. How will you counsel them regarding their treatment options now? So I think that we need to, just like with any other discussion, provide the alternatives for treatment, the pros and cons of each approach. 
and uh, get a sense of what the patient's preferences are. And, you know, there may be multiple different factors that go into their decision or our shared decision-making. One is obviously some people have a preference for one treatment or another based on prior information, biases, their last relative who had appendicitis, while others may have social reasons. Uh, For example, I have patients where it's just not convenient for them to have an operation right now, and they're not afraid of having an operation in the future, um, would prefer not to have the time off from work, the time in the hospital, and all that that goes with an appendectomy. This is a good starting point to have an informed discussion with patients regarding what the options are and to come to a mutual decision about uh, what's best for that patient. I, I think the, our community of surgeons has really embraced their leadership role in, in making sure that patients get to the decision that's right for them. We are most comfortable with that when the treatments are really significant, like should you have your aorta fixed or you know, should you get your pancreas removed? There's like, we have embraced the concept that, that paternalism, you're going to go to the operating room because I tell you to go to the operating room, that that is a thing of the past. And we've embraced our role as uh, informing patients and eliciting their preferences and circumstances and priorities to help them get a great decision about their pancreas being removed or their aorta being removed. Now, in part, we're doing that because the stakes of the operation are high, but the fundamentals of that coaching role that we play are the same, whether or not it's a pancreas being removed or an appendix being removed. For patients, you know, any surgery is major surgery. And although the risk profile is different for an appendectomy than it is for a pancreatectomy, the concept that a patient's preferences, circumstances, and priorities need to be elicited, it's the same. And so I think the beauty of the CODA trial is it's patient-focused from the very beginning from the way we ask the questions to the outcomes we put together to the very way we think about that outcome. You know, when we first saw that three out of 10 needing an appendectomy thing, we thought oh, this is a no brainer. If 30% need an appendectomy, then of course you should just do it up front. until a patient advisor told me, well, when I see that, I see a single mom who can't be away from taking care of their kid. I see a, a guy who's working, who has no health insurance, who the bills will of an appendectomy will put them underwater forever. I see a person about to lose their health insurance and needing to make different sorts of decisions. I see a seven out of 10 chance to avoid an appendectomy. And it was like a light bulb went off for us because I I think reframing three out of 10 to seven out of 10, not needing procedures has application for, you know, appendicitis, but what about biliary colic and bowel obstruction and diverticulitis and so many of the things we help coach people around, gets us to really rethink the notion of three out of 10 versus seven out of 10. And and I think that may be part of the legacy of CODA and giving some patient-centeredness to thinking about outcomes data. You know, when we talk to patients, these numbers can help frame chances, but is there any type of tool that we can use help them as they make this decision? We wanted to build a tool that would make it easier for docs to convey this information and help patients elicit their preferences and circumstances and priorities that are relevant to this topic. Not everybody's an expert on the data. Not everybody's an expert on how to do the shared decision-making. And so we built a tool called Appy or Not, www.appyornot.org. 
Happy or not is a way that you can, in a snap, get patients high-quality professional um, video-based information related to this topic. And then we ask patients a couple of questions about, like, do they have an appendicolith? Or ask your doc if you have an appendicolith. And then we show them the same data that is customized to what, you know, what their condition is. We also ask them, hey, what's important to you? Is avoiding an operation the most important thing to you? Or is getting back to work the most important thing to you? And then we show the results based on what they said was the most important thing for them. We think it's going to help inform patients and help them get to make a better decision. It's really a way to help doctors have a more informed conversation with their patients without them having to go through this whole spiel, explaining what we've just been explaining for the last 20 minutes. And we like appyornot.org as a way to implement the findings from the CODA trial and more importantly, use it as a template for all of us who are trying to help patients make better decisions about a ton of different conditions. You know, I think what's really cool about the work you're doing is taking this, this large collaborative trial and then moving it past this publication phase and sharing these statistics with us, which each of us as surgeons can you know, study and, and put into practice in our own way, but moving forward with these amazing tools, because it's really, in the end, it is about the patients. The appyornot.org website is, is pretty compelling. Uh, we've had a chance to take a look at it. We'll be putting that in our show notes for our listeners to, to peek at. And next time they're on a busy shift in the ED and, and you, you come into a patient's room and let them know about that diagnosis of appendicitis, you can leave them with, with this website, which has videos and, and questions on it, uh, and then come back and talk with them afterwards. And, and that's a way that uh, it's a time saver for you. And, and that patient is, is instantly well-informed. So that is an amazing addition to the heavy lifting that's been done with this, with this research. And, you know, I think that one of the interesting things about the CODA trial and all these iterations we've been getting with all this data is that it supports, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. I think it supports the patient, right? Cause you can look at the data and say, this supports appendectomy and some, and you could support that uh, with the data. You can look at the data and say, this supports uh, antibiotics. And, and it does support that. Uh, and like uh, Dr. Flum mentioned, when you go back down to it, then it's really about that patient and, and what their preferences are and, and what it means to them at that very moment, especially Friday night in the, in the ED and, and they have appendicitis. Well, they have options and, and that's, that's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be thrilled if the results of the CODA trial, which represent you know, hundreds of surgeons and emergency medicine docs across 25 sites over seven years. If at the end of the day, everybody got just got an appendectomy, I'd be fine with that. If, if, it, if it came from an informed place that was concordant to what their interests were and their priorities were. And, you know, similarly, if, if at the end of the day, uh, we see a major switch in the default approach to appendicitis, which is antibiotics, and we see big uptake of antibiotics. If it comes from an informed place, I feel like we would have done our job. That is our job, right? We were never became surgeons just to be technicians. We became surgeons. We hold the keys to this amazing, powerful intervention and tool. Um, but but our job was to help people make decisions about whether or not that was right for them, using our education, using our approach, using our mindset uh, to help get them there. And I, I think that's where this has landed. And I'm proud of that work. I'm really proud of this amazing collaborative team across so many different centers. And uh, I think it's something that our community can really be proud of. If I could just make a comment, I think that the trial has really forced us, or at least myself, to address our own implicit biases about what we think 
patients want. For example, one of our sites was at a safety net hospital with largely patients with no insurance who are not English speaking. And I think that, uh, for example, I believed that they would not want to choose antibiotics if they had a choice because it would be inconvenient to come back to the hospital because of lack of access, need to go to work and other social issues. But in fact, there were patients who did not want to be enrolled in the trial because they had a strong preference. And so I think that we need to um, not assume that without asking that we know what our patients want, need, prefer. And so I think it's really eye-opening in terms of addressing our own implicit biases. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Plum and Dr. Cow. This study is incredibly important to help us understand how we can better address patient concerns and focus on the patient when we're treating them, even for what we call as simple of a pathology as appendicitis. As you said, there's no such thing as just a surgery. Well, thank you again for your time. And we look forward to seeing what else you produce in the research world as you lead to innovation with the patient-centered outcomes research. Thanks so much for having us today. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the conversation. Yes, thank you so much. Until next time, dominate the day.